0: This is the Be God's Light podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. In 2022, we spent an entire year looking at the life of Jesus from the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then in 2023, we explored the rest of the New Testament. So here in 2024, we're diving into the Old Testament for a look at how God has been at work from the very beginning. Last week, Ben, we, we started off looking at The early years of Moses, I call him the early years, his first 80 years of life when he was born to a Hebrew family, raised in the Egyptian palace, and then from age 40 to 80 fled to another place called Midian where he raised a family and worked as a shepherd for his father-in-law. And then now we're in Exodus chapter 4. I'm going to skip the burning bush story because we're going to cover that in one of the sermons. So. As with all these things, to get the full full deal, you want to engage in the sermons and as well as the daily devotions and all those different pieces that we have available. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 4 when he's back in Egypt. And it says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 19, Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So the Pharaoh's dead. I suppose his son is the one who took over. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Couple things there, just to start us off. He's going back to Egypt when God had said, you're, you're going to have to do some tough things back there. It's going to be hard. We'll get to that in a little bit. He also said, put this staff in your hand, a staff that he'd already shown him a few miraculous things with. But boy, those, those steps back toward Egypt. PTSD, you know, 40 years later, I mean, the, the Pharaoh wanted to kill him and he ran for his life. And now he's got to go right back where things were tough. Tough for his people. Tough for his other people, the Egyptian people. I mean, it was just tough to be, to be Moses. So he's he's taking these steps, and he's taking his family at least part of the way. So they're they're all going together. I mean, we kind of glamorize the burning bush story. Burn, the bush is burning, but it's not burned up, and God's speaking. So I'll go. But and we remember from that story, there's all kinds of excuses that he gives, and God finally says, "You gonna listen to me or what?" I mean, that's my version of it. But those steps had to be hard ones. I mean, don't you think that, like, I'm headed back to where I ran away from.
1: Yeah, and the the fact that it was most likely like this unanticipated journey because, you know, God calls out to him, you know, from the burning bush. And it's it's out of that whole conversation that he winds up going back to Egypt. This isn't something he was prepared to do at 80. And yet God, again, intervenes into his life and says, okay it's time to head back. And ultimately Moses does goes back and not just by himself, but with with his family um, to lead the, the people uh, of Israel. And so I can imagine the, the tension that he feels, undoubtedly the tension that his family feels, this isn't a place that they know. And so I can imagine that conversation uh, with his spouse. Um, so, yeah. You know, gr- growing up,
0: in the palace in in Pharaoh's home with, with Pharaoh's daughter as his mom, as his adopted mom, he he had to think in his twenties, his teens, his thirties, I'm going to have a pretty good life. I mean, he knew he wasn't going to be the next Pharaoh because he was a Hebrew, but he, he was living in the palace. And yet when he ran away, he, he now lived as a shepherd. Not that it's bad to be a shepherd, but it's all. That's a different life. Than, than living in the palace. So he'd adapted to that. And like you said, he's, he's living that life until he's 80 years old and didn't expect this. Let's pick the story up of Exodus 4, 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. You're going to do what I said. And he's not going to listen. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refused to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. Now We think of the 10 plagues. And when you come to the end of those plagues, which we're, we're kind of look at briefly here, is the death of the firstborn. Moses knew this was happening from the get-go. He knew that he was headed into this situation. There was going to be a massive showdown with the most powerful man around, and he was going to be the one to deliver the news. Your boy's dying. All the boys are dying. Your boy, too. That had to make those steps weightier. (laughs) He was traveling along the way, along these desert lands, back into Egypt. I mean, it we glamorize this Moses story. It's a, it's a hard story.
1: Yeah. And I I think it is, it's almost as if sometimes, uh, people perceive the, the burning bush and, and obviously again, as, as is depicted or will be depicted in the message, like there's this, uh, level of, uh, of of Moses and his back and forth with God and Moses questioning uh, his own ability to to live into what God has called him to do and then we leave the burning bush and I think there's a se- this the sense that some have uh which doesn't really play out this way but the sense that some people have that you know Moses goes forth as a, as this confident bold leader and that's not reality and I and I think again Moses, even amidst the uncertainties that he had to have felt and wrestled with, he still has made this decision, I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do, and I'm just going to go do it. And so sometimes it is, I think it's that you know that one foot in front of the other, not knowing necessarily uh, how this is ultimately going to end. He obviously knows what's coming, that Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened. He knows what's coming as far as uh, you know, the, the final plague and 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 what that means. Um, and he's just kind of like, okay, God, I'm just going to do what you tell me to do.
0: I'm going to do what you tell me to do as hard as it may be. And yet we still see throughout the story and we will see in weeks to come right? the story that it is, it's hard and he has doubts and all these things are going on in his life. Let's pick it up at verse 27 of Exodus 4. The Lord said to Aaron, "We know that Aaron is three years older than Moses. From later in the story we find that out. so Aaron's now eighty three years old. Go into the wilderness to meet Moses now when moses when when he was last hanging with Moses, Moses was a baby being weaned. I don't know if they had any contact in those intervening years, those forty years that he was being raised in the palace." I don't know if Moses stayed in contact with his family in some way. We just don't know about that, but Aaron's going to reconnect, and it's been at least forty years since he had any contact with his brother. So he said, "Go into the wilderness to meet your brother Moses." So he met Moses at the mountain of God, and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had committed him to do, to perform, to say, and to do. So God gave him the words. God gave him the actions. Verse 29, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. Aaron's the spokesman. He also performed the signs before the people, Moses did, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So things are looking up, aren't they? I mean, like the people are believing that Moses is the man. They're believing that God cares for them. They're bowing down. They're worshiping. I mean, it's, it's looking at, like, again, we're hearing the story for the first time. Imagine that, that it's looking really positive that things are going to go well, except, Moses had already been told, it's not going to go so well. So let's let's pick it up um, a little bit here at Exodus chapter 5, and this is where things get worse. Um, read us some of that but, that you want to, however much you want to in Exodus 5 there, and just give some thoughts about what's happening here in the encounter between Pharaoh and Moses.
1: Yeah, well, just the the initial uh, encounter there in Exodus 5, uh, in verse 1, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, uh, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw uh, for making bricks. Let them go and and gather their own straw, but require them uh, to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce their quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make uh, the work harder for the people so that they keep uh, working and pay no attention uh, to lies. The Israelite, and this is the part I wanted to get to, but need to set the context. If you jump to verse 19 there, it says, The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you were not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. Uh, when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they say, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us uh, obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. and We see how fickle the heart is when all of a sudden uh, struggles and and trials abound because these are the same people who, after their first encounter with Moses and Aaron, you know, they're worshiping God and now they're calling out and questioning uh, what God has ultimately uh, proclaimed and and called Moses and Aaron um, to do. Uh, And so that's, you know, in the. And so you have Moses who's getting it both from at this point Moses and Aaron are getting it both from the pharaoh and they're also getting it from from their own people and and being torn in these these two directions where they can ultimately relent um or they can maintain uh, their faithfulness uh to God um what are you seeing in those in those verses Yeah those that's past? that's
0: really that's really good I, that early part of that in verse Verses 1 and 2 of Exodus 5, um, he said, this is what the Lord says. And Pharaoh responds, who is the Lord? And the it's all caps there, capital L, capital O, capital, R, capital D, L-O-R-D, all caps. And whenever the NIV and most English translations do that, that is the name of God, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, that is being... Um, written in that form. So God's name is used there. And I, I find it interesting that that Moses invokes his name, says, this is the one who says, let our people go. And Pharaoh admits, I don't know the capital L-O-R-D. I, I have no idea who this God is. We have our gods. In fact, in fact Pharaoh would have seen himself as one of the gods. and, and But I don't know this this Lord you're talking about. I don't know this God of the Hebrews that you're talking about. So that stands out to me as a tension point. But in our last podcast, we talked a little bit about how the the people made 400 year gap and they kept some of their own faith, some of their own ways, some of their, but, but they also were not deeply involved in this, which is perhaps why in one moment they were bowing down and worshiping God and when things got just a little bit tough, a lot of it tough, they turned. Said like, said, we don't want anything to do with this. Like, get rid of this guy. And even in this next verse, verse 22, Moses turns to the Lord and says, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? So he is going through this like, they're mad at me. Now, God, I'm doubting you because it's not working out. It's, it's harder. The people are being whipped and beaten and forced into harder labor and, and things are getting harder and harder. There's, just something, there's something in there for me about what it means to really know God. I'm not talking about knowing about God, which we can do from reading the Bible and, and so forth but really knowing god and trusting god by his name in such a way that when things don't work out like we expected or even the opposite are horrible we still put our faith in god and still trust in him for that future listen i'm not making i'm not simplifying this life can be super hard and especially for persecuted people in the world I can't even comprehend that. Having been raised in the American culture, I, I don't even know what real persecution is. So I don't I'm not hassling Moses for saying, Why have you done this, God? Or the people for being upset. Or Pharaoh for saying, What are you talking about? I don't know this this Lord you're, you're talking about. I I don't I'm not blaming anybody, but I think there's something in there about not really deeply knowing him that causes them at the first sign of trouble to say, I'm out.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we, we see that, uh, you know, across the the generations because there is, I mean, I mean, rightly, as you've, as you've explained, you know, there's a difference between knowledge of God and intimately knowing God. You know, you can have knowledge of a person without truly knowing them. And it's the same thing, uh, with, with God himself. It's that we can, and I think that's like one of the, the issues that we oftentimes face within the Western church is that there's kind of like this information download, uh, as opposed to a uh, transformation that mm. should come yeah. through, uh, that, that as we're reading scripture, we're, we're a- again, we're getting to know him and know the Lord more intimately. And we start to see our lives being, uh, increasingly transformed, uh, to where we experience uh, this relationship uh, with God in such a way that it kind of turns our uh, p- uh, perception of life uh, on its head in in some ways, and that's where I, I do think like the the trials that you know the back and forth that we're going to see here between um, between Pharaoh and Moses and and God's intervening hand, while also showing god revealing uh, through the the plagues revealing uh, his power over these false gods of of egypt the other part of this is like the forming of his people's heart revealing to to them his ultimate power that he truly is the almighty that even for what the israelites knew as the greatest power on earth the egyptian the egyptians the egyptian army the pharaoh that God is the one who is ultimately sovereign. God is the one who is all-powerful. And really in this, nurturing the Israelites' heart uh, nearer to to his own, that they are getting that, that deepening sense of truly knowing him. Let's take a
0: 30,000-foot view of that exact thing you're talking about, that, that back and forth, they, they're known as the 10 plagues. And they encompass a lot of chapters. The first nine of them encompass four chapters from Exodus 7 through 10. So obviously we can't go through all of that. But there's the plague of blood and the plague of frogs in chapter 7. The plague of gnats and the plague of flies in chapter 8. The plague on the livestock, death of the livestock. And the plague of boils on the human skin. And the plague of hail. All those are in chapter 9. And then the plague of locusts and the plague of darkness in chapter 10. That's a lot of things. Blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock death, boils on the skin, hail damaging the rest of the crops, locusts eating what didn't get beat up, and darkness over the land. And in every single one of these, Ben, Moses is coming up and saying, let my people go. This is what God says. This same Lord says, let my people go. And in every one of them, Pharaoh says, nope, I'm not going to do it. Sometimes he wavers for a moment, but he ends up saying he would not let them go. And it's a dilemma. That's kind of what this, this one's about, this podcast. It's this dilemma that Pharaoh faced. Because you spoke a moment ago about these false gods of the Egyptians and how these plagues are a confrontation to that. And then there's the second piece of the workforce. If he lets them go and they don't come back, He's lost his slave labor. I mean, a lot of them, one, two million people. I mean, they're they're gone. And so this dilemma, like things are getting, go from bad to worse to worse and to the worstest. I mean, it's like really bad, these plagues. And the, through the first nine, he wouldn't let them go. He, he wouldn't do that. So I'd like you to speak for a moment about these two tensions. I mean, one of them has to do with the spiritual aspect of the false gods of the Egyptian people and how these the, the one true God, the Lord, was powerful over that. So you could speak to that and or to the the idea that if he lets them go, his economy's in trouble. I mean, it's it's a classic case where his, his slaves are good for the economy and all he has to do is feed them um, and not pay them. But feed them, and it's good for the economy. So there's this massive tension. So pick one of those, or both of those. I don't know. That's up to you. And I, like, what's the dilemma from Pharaoh's world? As well, it?
1: what's crazy is he's he's not really. Uh, the initial ask was not to let them go long term. Yeah, go out and you know, three about, day festival, right? And uh, and Pharaoh uh, again. I mean, it's just this this increasing hardness of heart to where. Uh, you know, God intervenes. He reveals his power, both to the Israelites and and to the Egyptians. They didn't
0: have three-day weekends, by the way. What's that? Didn't they have three-day weekends back in the day?
1: Yeah, yeah I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. For it was race like, or something. Know, we live the in holiday. Indiana. That's the right.
0: Thing for the race. It's a big three-day weekend down here. So they didn't have them. Yeah,
1: that's they what they wanted. Them. they wanted. They wanted a that, three-day weekend. That's right. They wanted a three-day weekend to go worship God. That's all the ask uh, was. And yet, after each ensuing plague, um, there's like a moment of peace and Pharaoh hardens his heart against what God has, has called for, what God has asked for, um, to where he just increasingly becomes resistant, uh, ultimately, um, to, uh, what's being asked uh, for, uh, the Israelites. Um, and yeah, I mean, part of that is again, and and Moses knew this was going to happen going in, and part of Pharaoh's uh, main issue, and and it's one of those things we call like the judicial hardening of heart, where uh, God presents His word, and as God's word is progressively presented, the person who has hardened his heart against God's word, the hardness increases, and that's what we're seeing with Pharaoh is that this increasing uh, hardness against um against the Lord, not just against the Lord, but against his his people. Um, How against his people? Uh, his increasing resistance to not let them go.
0: Oh, you mean his people, the Israelite people?
1: Yeah, I'm talking about the, the Egyptians, the Pharaoh hardening his heart against the the uh, Israelite people. Yeah, because well. I, mean,
0: I thought maybe right. also you meant the Egyptians because the, every time he said no, another plague came.
1: That's right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So he's not even caring for his own people in the midst of this because, in his own mind, it's a it's an assault on his authority. Right? It's an assault on Pharaoh's power. Pharaoh, as you said earlier, uh, sees himself through the lens of being the divine, and he has no answer for this. And so you can imagine the people of Egypt who are suffering at this point are calling into question Pharaoh's own power, his own authority. And I think, yeah, to, to the point you're, you're kind of making here, Pharaoh's even hardened his heart against his own people because he's trying to preserve his own name. He's trying to preserve his own power in the midst of all of this.
0: Hey, just a side note, which which would be worse, a plague of frogs, gnats, or flies?
1: I've seen them all. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> to, to some degree, there's a lot of frogs, Stop there's a Louisiana. lot of gnats, there's a lot of flies. I remember one time walking out, now you got me on tangent, but I remember walking out into my garage as a kid – uh, in the first house where I was where I was raised in the first uh, part of my childhood, and I remember legit walking into the garage one day, and it was just engulfed. The interior of the the uh, garage was like engulfed in flies. It was insane. Never seen anything like it. Did you throw a piece of steak out there or something? And- I don't I don't know what caused the problem, what created <laughs> the problem. I just knew the flies had to die, and uh, and then yeah, and then one time I remember fishing. And the gnats being so intense, we like legit, uh, we had gone out in the the, the the East Pearl, which is on the border, Pearl River, which is on the border of Louisiana and Mississippi, and we had headed out to go fishing and we could not escape the gnats to where we finally just said, forget it. I mean, it was just miserable. And so we just turned around, You know, took the boat in and we were just done uh, fishing uh, for the day. You know, if I had to choose, I'd probably be okay with the frogs. You know, frogs everywhere. Yeah, frogs, frogs in are, your bed. Yeah, frogs, frogs everywhere. In frogs, frogs in the sink. Yeah, that's frogs right. Frogs in the fridge. Yeah, I mean the frogs I grew up with weren't poisonous or anything, <laughs> and so I would have been okay with that. Gnats and flies are so annoying. I mean, so annoying that uh, I, I take the frogs over those two things any day.
0: Yeah, the, these the plagues kind of go from annoying to worse. I mean, the water turning to blood's pretty bad right off the bat, but you know, frogs and gnats and flies, and then there's death of your animals and boils on your skin, and they they just get they get tougher and tougher. And then the, then the crops are are ruined and and everything else. So through these first nine, the answer is to let my people go. The answer is no, for all these reasons you and I have been talking about. There, it was a dilemma to Pharaoh, but he answered it by saying no, and then we get to the tenth plague which in chapter 11, it's the plague on the firstborn, which is back to where it started when God told Moses, even before he left Midian, he said, you're going to go to Egypt and it will end up resulting in the death of the firstborn because Pharaoh is not going to listen. And so it ends up there and we're not going to spend time talking about that because that is the framework, the Passover, at least is the framework of one of the sermons that we have here again we we just don't have time to get through every single episode in the Old Testament because it is so expansive, but hopefully between the different things that we're working on through podcasts and sermons and the devotions and the, and the Bible studies and all these different things, we'll cover at least a good a good chunk of it so we're gonna leave it off there and and next week we'll we'll take a look at this this is the next week's episode of the podcast is after the exodus, after the Passover, and after the exodus, and they're on the other side. They're they're now li- living in this relative freedom, but they have an enemy that comes after them, and we will explore how Moses relied on Aaron and a man named Hur to literally hold him up when he grew weary from leading the people. So I hope you can join us back for that one. Folks, if you want to jump in deeper... Go to our church's website, FishersUMC.org, and click on the Be God's Light link. You can also search for our app, the church app. and You can do it that way as well. If you want to stay up to date with the Be God's Light podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care and God bless.